This is basically why I came here. There was no jobs. I came here, of course. Hashem Baruch Hu had his plans. So I came to America. He picked me up. I went to live in Great Neck. This was 1989. By the way, I saw that this person, he has few businesses in Manhattan. He doesn't do anything all day, gamble on horses, on things like that. <laughs> I said to myself, well, what am I going to do in this house? He has no kids. It's him and his wife. In the middle of nowhere in Long Island. I got to find a job. He used to take me with him to where they scream, you know, the horses run. Standing over there, I don't know what to do. So I started to find myself, maybe I'll find a job. I saw an Argentinian guy wearing a white outfit like this, like painter. I said, hey, you have a job for me? He said, no, business is very bad. The economy here was also horrible. I don't have a job, no job right now. Five minutes later, he came back. He said to me, tell me, do you know how to work on the cash register? I didn't even know what it is. My English was worse than broken. Right away, <laughs> thank you. When you ask him, Israeli, do you know in order for him to get a job? Of course. <laughs> of course. Come, come, I found you a job. I was three days in America. He gets me into a bagel store. Right next door, Little Neck Parkway, Northern Boulevard. That's where the Baker store until today is there. I get in, I see a guy, and a little girl like this, little Jew girl married to this guy, Rahmana Letzilan. And he comes to me and he says, you know how to work on the cash register? Then I realize what it is. I say, yes. I didn't even know how quarter look, dime, nothing. Never saw American money, besides dollar bills. <laughs> so he puts me there, he says, okay, $5 an hour, you got the job. Okay, so I walk in. There was a girl over there, Goya. I asked her, tell me, how do you work on the register? She said, you just say you know how to work on the register. <laughs> I need the job. So once I'm there, he said, okay, this is how you make bagel with cream cheese, bagel with butter, this, that, you cut, you put inside, they show me how to do, and you walk on the register. Okay. So now I'm cutting bagels, I'm putting things, and while I'm doing it, I'm calculating in my head, 99 cents, dollar 65. I'm calculating what the person took, everything in my head, because I was very good at math. So I'm calculating everything in my head. And then I come to the register. I only remember that whenever the girl press on the red button, the register open. So I come to the register, I press, and I know how to give change. You give me $10. I know I learned what's 10 cents, 5 cents. One hour later, this guy came in front of 20 customers, started to scream, you a thief! You thief! Check my pocket. What do you do with the money? I said, what's the problem? Maruch Hashem was so poor, I had $5 in my pocket. <laughs> so he checked my pocket, nothing. So how do you open the register like this and you know how to give change? I said, I do it in my head. In America, it's not the number one in the world in math, you know. What do you mean in your head? Impossible. I said, test me. He said, 
בייגל וקרים צ'יז, טו בייגל וביז, דיז, דאט, חיר, אייסטי, קורא, 769. צ'ק, הוא דקה קרדר, פייף דיים. מזרעי. הסקריטו את זה, תראו את זה. לידל איינשטיין איזה הירש. מה יקשר אוכלי לגייגלסטורג'. went to the hospital, three weeks I couldn't walk. When I came back to the bagel store, they told me, we're sorry, we got a different person. By then I learned how to bake, I was already upgraded. So they said to me, we're sorry, we found another guy. So I started to open the Israeli newspaper and find for another job, what do I know? I know how to work in bagel store. 52 bagel stores I went to. in New York, American, all Jewish names. Not one of them had a job for me. Leave your number or call you. One, and another one, and now I'm running out of money. Maybe $20 left. So what am I gonna do? I open the Israeli newspaper. I see, do you wanna make $1,500 a week? I said, whoa, I don't make $400 a week working like a slave, $1,500 a week. That's how naive I was, 21 years old. I call up the place, she say, the girl in Hebrew, you have to come, it's in Manhattan, you have to come for a job interview. Well, they'd ask you some questions. She doesn't say that much. They don't want to tell you things on the phone. You have to come. Okay, how do you come from Great Neck? You need to take the train. The little money that I had was enough to go back and forth with the train. Maybe four dollars I have left. I go to Manhattan, I come out of the Penn Station, I see a boot with books in Hebrew. I see Kabbalah, Gilgul Neshamot. I see a girl over there. So what's this? In the middle of Manhattan. She said, this is the Zohar, the Kabbalah. If you want to buy a set of Zohar, <laughs> a guy like me, if you only saw how I look. So I said to her, how much is this set of Zohar? She said, $350. It's like telling me a million dollars. You want to see how much money I have? Four or five dollars. That's enough for lunch for today, and tomorrow if I don't find a job, that's it. I don't know what to do. So she said to me, you should have trust in Hashem. Buy it anyway. Give me one dollar down payment. We'll deliver it to your house. Bezrat Hashem, you find a job, and you pay it slowly, slowly. I said, no, well, I don't have any money. She said, don't worry. I promise you will get the job, she said to me. So how do you can promise me such thing? Trust me, I do it for years. You put the money, trust God, you'll get the job. I was so desperate that a few dollars I gave her. She wrote my address, okay, we'll deliver it to you. I come to the job, I see about 50 American guys and girls all the fancy schmancy Americans with their fancy watches, suits. And I came with a T-shirt. I was wearing jeans, T-shirt. Young guy, come inside, everyone 50, 60, 40. Everyone with nice expensive bags. And I came, I said, then I see a Hasid. Hasid, they believe he was Satmer. He has this hat like this. 
I say, well, what the Jew does when he goes to a place of 60 goyim and he see one Jew? Right away, I went to sit next to him. <laughs> the problem is, I didn't know that he doesn't like to speak Hebrew. <laughs> <laughs> so I began to speak to him in Hebrew. I see he's getting allergic to me, this guy. <laughs> It doesn't want to help me. I say to myself, aren't this Hasid supposed to be a tzaddik to help a miserable Jew like me? The problem. I'm asking him what the job is about. I don't see it. See, he doesn't want to help me out. But I didn't know then why. He's thinking to himself, what is Tzioni now, like a leech came to me to waste my time? <laughs> and I'm thinking to myself, my only salvation is this Hasid. The only way I understand what this job is about is if you tell me in Hebrew. Now he has to speak to me in Hebrew because my English is not so good. Then they call my name. I go inside. It's important why I'm telling you these details. You soon understand. I go inside. I see an American guy sitting in a fancy chair. You know, he comes to me and says, Yes, did you bring the pizza? <laughs> I said to him, what pizza? He said, we order pizza for everyone. Did you bring it? How much? I said to him, no, no pizza. I came for the job. Started to laugh in my face, this guy. <laughs> you came for the job? Do you know what this job is about? I said, what? What can you say? You have to be a representative for business bank for Milwaukee. They're looking for a representative sells people to work for them here in New York, in a business district. You think this job is for you? How old are you? I say 21. So well, what college you went to? I say, no college. I just came from Israel. <laughs> so he's laughing at my face. He said, listen, pal, this is not a job for you. Trust me, I'm doing you a favor. Go find a job, different job. So I say to him, listen, I came from far away with a train. What do you care? Talk to me. Wow, you don't even know me. He said to me, trust me, this job is not for you. You have to read a lot of contracts, banks, English. Most Americans, this job is not for them. You know, when a person is what do you have to lose? I took my hand. I banged on his chair, like on his table. Listen to me. <laughs> I said, whatever I did in my life, you will never do in your whole life. So he looks at me like this, what did you do in your life? I'm just coming from the, I know in America, the Israeli Air Force is their God. I just came from the Israeli Air Force. Every day I used to sign eight times on an F-16, worth $50 million each in my signature, $400 million a day. Without my signature, it doesn't go up. And it wasn't a lie. This is the way it works in the army. 19 years old kid. He's decide if the plane goes up or down. He looks at me, you're from Israel? From the Israeli Air Force? Have a seat. I like it. OK, come tomorrow, 9 o'clock to the course. I'll help you out. Next day I come, I see the Hasid, right away, I sit next to him. <laughs> Poor Hasid, oh, this guy. I remember his name. His name was Bernard, in English. I sit next to him two weeks. Two weeks I sit in a class, I don't understand one word what's going on there. <laughs> but 
slowly, slowly, this Bernard felt bad for me. After all, he's a hard of a Jew, you know, Zioni, not Zioni. <laughs> I better help him out and never leave me alone, this guy. So he explained to me what the job is. You have to do this, you have to convince customer to move this. Oh, Hashem, a little second I had, little. Then he asked me a question, the Italian guy that teach. I answered him, he said, wow, amazing. The next day he said to me, Mazal Tov, in Hebrew, you got the job. Now you have to go get customers. <laughs> they got me a, a meeting with a black guy somewhere in Queens. I go to his house, he has a business construction, four hours. He was teaching me how to feel the camera. <laughs> <laughs> the gift that Hashem gave me. Right away, this guy felt my friend. <laughs> I said, you have to do, no, you have to do, no, you see, if I sign here, you're not going to get your money, your commission. <laughs> First week, I signed four customers. The you know, history of the bank, it never happened. Now the big boss wants to meet with me. Who is this new star? <laughs> what do I find out? The big boss is a Jew, Mr. S, his name. So... Three weeks I work, I make money, then they say, you never gave us your social security number. <laughs> <laughs> so I say, what, what's this? Otherwise, <laughs> 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 we cannot write you a check. <laughs> so I say, I don't have, I don't know. <laughs> Very sorry, I cannot write you a check. Oh, Mishamai, the boss of the bank showed up. Why are we talking? What's the problem? I say, I say after, I begin to talk to him in Hebrew, he says, in English, say, speak Hebrew, speak Hebrew, Israeli, <laughs> ex-Israeli, speaking in Hebrew, he said, don't worry, put the checks on my name, you go across the street, cash it in a cashing, don't worry about it, they'll give you that, make the checks to my name, here is my social security, that's how I got the job. Six months later, I replaced that guy there in the room. <laughs> Six months later, I learned the job right away. They fired him, they gave me the job. I walked there, Baruch Hashem, Hashem helped me. I was making a lot of sales. And then, once I was 25 years old, I went to Eretz Israel. I met an American Ashkenazi woman. She had religious background in those days, but not enough. We went to get married in Eretz Israel. When we got married, I didn't even know what Sheva Brachos is. This is where I came from. So I have a cousin that he is a giant chacham and a very big tzaddik in Yerushalayim. He's married to Rabbi Zohar's daughter. So he said to me, what? You don't come to visit your cousin? Come to Yerushalayim, we'll make you Sheva Brachos. So what is this? Tell me, come, you see. I went to Yerushalayim, one and a half hours conversation, he turned my whole life around. He came, I came there. First of all, I see a lot of religious people bring cakes, candy, food, one after the other, mazel tov, mazel tov. What's going on here? Nobody knows me here. Everyone come, hug me, shake my hand. Very special. Then my cousin told me like this. He said, tell me, no, how is life in America? I see you serious businessman over there. <laughs> see me with the tie, you know, in Israel. Tie, this, jacket. So he said to me, tell me, you believe in the Ten Commandments? 
I'm thinking, I say yes. He said, you know that according to the Ten Commandments, you're worse than Yasser Arafat? Just like this. I say, what? He say, yes. What, what is Yasser Arafat? Rotzeach, no? Murderer. You mechalet Shabbos. Mechalet Shabbos, according to the Torah, is worse than a murderer. With a bigger punishment. This is what Hashem said. Did you know that? So I say, oh, you know what? In that case, I don't believe in the Ten Commandments. <laughs> so he told me, ah, that can be verified. One day maximum, you'll know if it's from Hashem or not. It can be proven. I say, how? He said, in a seminar. That's what they do every week. Go to seminar and you know. So then he told me something like that. He told me, listen. There are two possibilities in life. One is that I am right in my way, and one is that you are right in your way. It cannot be both of us are right, right? Either my way is the right way, the way I dress, the way I learn, the way I do, or your way is the right way. One of us make mistake in his life. Maybe I'm wasting my life. Maybe you are wasting your life. I'm thinking, he said, let's say that you are right. Let's say you are right. One day we both died. I loved my life very much, and you love your life very much. You love the show of the illusion world of America. And I love my world here in Yerushalayim, in Yeshiva, with my student, learning Mara all day. I'm very happy, I have wonderful family. Look how we all happy. I'm very happy for my life. And you, you're happy from your life. So we both die, we are even. But what happens if I'm right and you are wrong? And one day we're both gonna die. I will be right for eternity and benefit from the way I live forever according to the promise of the Torah. And you will suffer forever. Is it worth it for you to take some time from your everyday life to go and check who is right? That was the first time in my life that I thought about something heavy. It got me scared in my mind. I said, what happened if he's right? God forbid. That's the way I was thinking. God forbid if he's right. <laughs> that reminds me when I say, God forbid if he's right. You know, one, uh, one reformed person, he sent his son to a camp in Israel for the summer. So the boy came back with the tzitzis. He got very nervous. He ran to the reformed <laughs> rabbi, and he said to him, Rabbi, something very bad happened. He said, well, my son went to a camp in Israel, he came back with the tzitzis. So he said, ah, relax, relax. It's only a week or two, and I'll forget about it. Relax. It's a, no, it's a known... No thing. Two weeks later, the boy dropped the tzitzi. So, Rabbi, Baruch Hashem. <laughs> then after a year, he sent his other son. He came back with tzitzi and a kippah. Now he really got nervous. He came to this rabbi. Rabbi said, don't worry. It will take three weeks. Three weeks later, the boy forgot. He said, ah, Baruch Hashem. The third son, he came back home with kippah and tzitzi. And he said, Abba, I want to get out of public school and put me in yeshiva full day. 
The father is almost getting a heart attack. He runs back to the rabbi and says, Oh, that's really a problem. Bring your mezuzahs right away, I need to check them. <laughs> Something went wrong. So he got me scared. So this is now what I'm going to tell you is a message in Kiruv. First time I saw it in my own life. So he told me, what's the problem that you keep Shabbat? What's the problem? <coughs> you in America, you have two days. One day you keep Shabbat. One day you do whatever you want. You only work five days a week, no? I say, yes. He says, so one day you make Shabbat. You, your family, friends, you know. One day you do whatever you want. What do you like to do on Shabbat? I say, I like to go here, I like to go there. He doesn't tell me, oh, this place is Yarek Velo Yavor, this one is Hashemirachem, this one is Lochelek, nothing. Told him, the worst places you can imagine. I say, I like to go here, I like to go there. He didn't tell me, this is not allowed, this you're not allowed to open your eyes over there, over there you're not allowed to walk. Nothing, he know my level. So he told me, all these things you can do other days in the week. But Shabbat, you don't have to. You go Sunday. Shabbat, you don't go there. I'm thinking to myself, I said, what's difficult for you? So I live on the 19th floor in Manhattan. I made money, I bought myself an apartment facing the water, I live in illusion. So he said to me, okay, listen, you come, you come, you go to the shul, you have shul over there? I said, yeah, there's a few Hasidim in the neighborhood, Lower East Side I live. Mishamai, accidentally, my wife was from Lower East Side, that's where I live. I have a few shuls, I see religious people. I said, okay, you go to the shul, you come back, you, you go up in, into the elevator, the guy press whatever he press, you go to that floor and from there you walk. If he asks you what floor, you tell him the same like you. You put that, you go from there. This is how it was. I come, I see a guy, 18. Ah, what a miracle. All one floor. Next thing, 20. I go downstairs. It's like this. Until one Hasid saw me after three weeks, what, you normal? You're going into the elevator in Shabbos. <laughs> so, but for the three weeks, I'm going, I'm getting a ride with the Goim. Then he said, what else you like? I said, I'm watching all kinds of things. So he told me, leave it on before Shabbos, don't touch it. Don't touch the buttons, don't turn it on and off. Don't touch it. Don't be mechalem Shabbat, don't touch the light, don't. Timer. Turn it on, what else you like? Radio, leave the radio in a room on. Don't touch it. No, we have a deal. Of course, if you would tell me this is not allowed, this is not allowed, I would die like a goy. No question about this. He was clever. He got me in. I said, okay, you know what? I'm gonna stop keeping. So he told me, come to us for Shabbos. I said, no, it's my last Shabbat here in Israel. I have to be with my parents. In 10 days, you won't remember one thing from what we spoke. I said, no, no, he said, shake my hand, promise me you keep Shabbat when you go back to America. I said, okay. He shook his hand, and as he said, I forgot about him. <laughs> Came back to America, Friday morning, my wife tell me, you know, you promise your cousin we're gonna keep Shabbat tonight. I'm <laughs> thinking to myself, where this is came from now? Well, I said, what are we gonna do? We don't know anything. So she said, we need a heart rate, plata. I said, well, let me go to Essex Street. I go down to Essex Street, see a few Hasidim standing on the street, Essex Street, Lower East Side. 
I said to them, I need to buy hat ray. Nah, the Hasid didn't know what I want. What hat ray? Hat ray. Nobody understood. I said, hat ray. Then finally somebody said, oh, he wants black. Come. So the Hasidim say, what? You keeping Shabbos? If you saw the way I looked, then you understand why they, they were in shock. So I say, yes. I say, no, no, you're not going to know how to keep. Come to our house for Shabbos. Married, I say, come, come to our house for Shabbos. We'll show you how to keep. Then one Moroccan guy came from Brooklyn. He said, ah, they'll feed you gefilte fish. It's not for you. Come to me, you eat spicy Moroccan food. I'm standing on the street. And I see the Hasidim and this Moroccan arguing, who's going to bring me for Shabbat? I'm thinking to myself, I never know religious people are so nice. They don't know me. And that's how it started. When I was in Israel, somebody came to me and said, where are you from? I said, from New York. He said, ah, you from that rabbi over there? I said, no, I don't know any rabbi. Oh, we thought you one of his ballet tshuva. We have a few people here from, that came from New York. Two weeks later, they tell me, come, there's a lecture in Manhattan. Who, who? The same one that they saved. I said, wow, that cannot be coincidence. I went there. I met a few people from Monsi. They invited me for Pesach, for Yom Tov. And that's how I started to go. Now, I'm starting to go to lectures with a camera, and I film seminars, all the key of speakers, I film one after the other, I get books. Now I see that all my friends, one by one, is like Goim. This one is about to marry this Goya, this one is about this Mechalel Shabbat, this one is a big thief, this, this one just came out of jail. But I see that when I talk to my friends, one after the other, changing. And I don't have any knowledge from the little that I heard in the lecture, right, about this, about that. I had a cousin here working in a store. Right away, I got him out. I put him in yeshiva. And one month bar tshuva, I already put my cousin in yeshiva until today he learns 20 years in college. Same guy. He went to yeshiva, became tzaddik esod olam, this kid. Was working in women's clothing in Manhattan. It wouldn't be that. It would be who knows where he would be today. So I speak to another one and another one. And all of a sudden, we have a group. This one becomes Shomer Shabbat, this one. This. And I saw that Hashem gave me this gift that I speak to these people with the little that I know, one after the other becomes Shomer Mitzvot. These argue about this, they argue about that, all kinds of things like this. So after a while, I say, I guess this is my purpose in life. I have to start convincing people to be religious. So I started to make Chugebay, seven people, ten people, you know. Little groups of people. I used to go, I had a lot of akrava, devotion. I felt so honored that I have this opportunity to prove others that I'm not crazy. <laughs> Remember the way I think, everyone thinks, ah, I became religious right away, they ask, who died? <laughs> Something happened, mental breakdown, you lost all your money? <laughs> so, no, Baruch Hashem, one guy, he came to Shul. He came to shul, and he made seuda in the morning, seuda to daya. They asked him, what's the problem? He said, no, three, two weeks ago, I crossed the street, the car hit me, I almost died. Baruch Hashem, yesterday I came out of the hospital. I'm making seuda to thank Hashem for the next day. The next day, another member from the shul made seuda. 
So he said, what happened? You also got hit by a car? He said, no, 20 years I crossed the street and no car hit me yet. Before it happened, I take Hashem. Not after. So this is how it started. I started to go driving here, driving there, slowly, 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 slowly. And in the beginning, I was working only in Hebrew. Only Hebrew. My English wasn't enough to speak in front of audience. So Baruch Hashem, I saw that Baruch Hashem, Hashem helped me already to make a few hundreds of Shomrei Shabbat. And then September 11 came. After September 11, you know the situation, what happened in New York, all the Israelis from here almost, the ones who didn't have papers, ran away from here. Because the immigration were looking for terrorists, it became very difficult. So I started to see that I don't have people anymore. No, nobody makes shiurim like before. Yeah, this one is moved, this one moved. Some moved to Israel, some moved to Miami, some to LA. So I say to myself, the only way I'm going to continue to do what I do is if I'm going to start giving lectures in English. But who's going to come? I'm thinking to myself, who's going to come? Ah, Israeli guy speaking. Motzei Shabbos, after I was thinking to myself, I have to start giving lecture, I get a call. Would you agree to give a lecture in English in Queens to 60 people? I have two rabbis sitting in my house, Melav and Malka. One of them is rabbi from Shanghai. He was in the Mir Yeshiva of Shanghai. He was born, he was a baby there. His father was there. He's from Nebrak. He comes a lot here to collect for his adrechim. Sitting in my house and another rabbi. And they call me and they say, do you want to come give a lecture in English? The name of the organization was Or Natan in Queens. Thinking to myself, I asked the rabbi, what do you think? Tell me, why not? I speak English pretty good. I said, okay, I'll come. Come to this place Monday night. I went over there. I gave a lecture. That's how I started in English. September 11, turn everything around. I started to speak in English. By now, I made about 4,000 lectures all over the world. I've been in Istanbul. A year ago, I was in Istanbul. I went to, there's thousands of Turkish Jews over there. They told me, you cannot come with Yarmulke. You have to get a barret hat. They gave me instructions how to come. I come to Istanbul. They told me, you know, over here, there's not one store for glad kosher food. Nothing, not one grocery, not one pizza shop, nothing whatsoever. So I said to them, for the few religious people there, so how do you get food? So we go to Israel, we bring food in the suitcases. We fill up suitcases and we bring it with the plane. That's how we live. So they told me, there's European size and Asian size. Istanbul is half Europe, half Asia. You're gonna speak in Asian side, you're gonna speak in European side. Shabbat, you speak all day. We get as many people as we can from the shul. And then we'll make on Sunday a main event in the Hilton Hotel. If we get 100 people, it will be very good, Baruch Hashem. 100 Turkish Jews that grew up there. Nothing there, nothing, there's nothing there. If we have 150 people, it will be the biggest miracle ever. I came to the Hilton Hotel one o'clock in the afternoon until 11 o'clock at night. More than 450 Turkish Jews came. The biggest history, the biggest event. 
in Turkey's history. The people there, the head of the community, they say, since the legs of Turkish Jews stepped in Turkey, in Istanbul and Izmir, we don't have in the history of this place an event that so many Jews came to hear Dvar Torah, but not one hour, all day, from one until 11. One after the other, the neshama of the Turkish Jews is so delicate and so pure that it didn't take more than five minutes a person to shake his hand that they accept to keep Shabbat. One after the other, until today, most of them keep. They started to keep Shabbat, more and a few of them moved to Israel, they opened the kolel in Ra'anana. Six boys learned in Rav Yaakov Hillel's yeshiva from this visit. So many of them already translated the lecture to Turkish. It's a movement of tshuva in Istanbul from that visit. Same thing, Belgium, London, all different kinds of places. You go to places you never believe, and a movement begins. The secret is the CDs. I brought you a few hundreds of CDs. Maor Hashem people donate the CDs. They're very popular, and some of you know. And it changed the life of people. Even Goim, Goim that listen to the Mesilas Yesharim series. They grabbed it. I get one day an email from a very fancy Shmenzi Goya who owns a big company. She said, I listened to this CD and it changed my entire life and my entire business. What's the connection the CD for the business? I became a different person. All my employees now like me. Nobody could stand me before. I was aggressive, this. Now it changed my whole life. One day I get an email from a Chinese guy from Singapore. He said to me, I want to donate a few thousands of CDs for Jews to become religious. <laughs> I said, how do you find me? I have a big thick book like this. One day, Bezrat Hashem, I'll make a book. I have no question in my mind, it will be the best seller in history. Not only by the Jews. From the hundreds of miracles that Hashem did to me in the last 20 years with Kiruv, they will never believe such things. With names, I have all the names recorded where it happened. This was one of them. This Chinese person, Chinese Christian, married to his wife, he goes to the internet, he puts something, one of my lectures came up. The more popular you become, then you come in the first pages. This is the way it works. You see a lecture, addictions for pleasure, how everyone runs after pleasure in this world. The bluff of this world. So here's a goy. The goy begins to listen 10 minutes. Then he calls his wife. They listen to the whole hour and a half. Then he see the rabbi against the galach. <laughs> Priest, Christian, Christianity, Judaism, debate. He's a religious Christian. He watched that three hours debate, changed his whole life. So I'm wasting my whole life. He works with the government. He has a studio for video recording. Then he watched my film, Torah and Science, four hours, all Jewish seminar, all the proofs of the Torah and the Talmud is Mina Shamayim. He got the shock of his life. Can you help me to convert? We want to leave Christianity, we want to become Jewish. I said to him, you know, in Singapore there's no Betty. I have to go to Australia maybe. No problem, whatever you say. I begin to see one year, two years. He's already keeping all the mitzvot in Singapore. There's no Jews there. Where, where? Everything he keeps. Can I get filin? Can I buy mezuzot? 
I said, well, I think it's about time you made Aliyah, you go to Yerushalayim, you convert, you convert, gave him tefillin, convert, you, you go to learn in yeshiva for a while. He left his business, gave it up, millions of dollars. He moved to Haranof in Yerushalayim. He lived across the street from Rav Ovadia Yosef. He doesn't leave the book for a second. The Kiddush Hashem he makes in Yerushalayim, you have no idea. They already made about him about four or five articles in all the newspapers in Israel. The Chinese rabbi, the first rabbi of China for the future. He does not leave the book. A few days ago he sent me an email, they want me to speak in front of Yeshiva Bachos. That have crisis in Emunah. Should I go or should I not go? Everything he asks, everything. Does not leave the book. Just from the donations they make for CDs, I made more than 100 ballet tshuva minimum from his money alone. This is his chut. Does not leave the book. One day I came to see Ravuvadia. I see there an event. Who is the photographer? Him. Already have a beard by now. This is the story of this Kiruv worked for 20 years. One day in Brooklyn, not far from here. I don't know, this bakery, Eagle Bakery, still exists here in Boropa? Yes. So, so you know Yossi Eagle, right? Yes. Yossi Eagle, Baruch Hashem. I didn't see him 15 years. But now you can, now you can go and verify this story. Huh? And he's in Israel. You can tell him that story in my name. I hope you will remember it. It's at least 15 years ago. He had one Israeli guy who works for him named Yossi. Not religious. Work in a bakery. There was an Israeli Omir. Somebody wealthy sponsored the house, paid the rent, paid the food. Israelis that don't have a place where to sleep, that came from New York, get a place to sleep for free in one condition, that they come to a lecture from 8 to 10 every evening. If they agree, they have a place to live for free. And I was the Monday night speaker. So one time I come there, I see the guy that works for Yossi Eagle in a bakery, and his friend, his friend has hair like this. I look at them, I begin, I see both of them have long hair. The whole lecture I speak about hair for men, how he has to have a haircut, not to have long hair. I bring him the Zohar, the Gemara, bring him one source after the other. They don't give up the hair, believe it or not. It's easier to make a chiloni shomer shabbos than to have a haircut if you love his hair. Doesn't let go for this tuma. Eleven o'clock at night, three hours argument to convince them to cut the hair. Why it's so important now? Because I know once you remove the hair, everything else will be easy. Bar tshuva sheba lachzor betshuva. Right away, two things must be done: cut his hair, even a little bit, and take him to the mikveh. That would be a good blessing in his tshuva. 11 o'clock at night, they do not give up. They don't want to cut the hair. So I said, what am I going to do? Three hours I put here and these guys will stay like this? 11 o'clock at night, another Israeli guy walks through the door. His name is Gil Nachman. Maybe you know him. He had a barber shop here next to King's Highway until two or three years ago. He moved to Israel. Very famous barber salon. He walks in, holding a haircut machine, scissors. 11 o'clock at night, the lecture was supposed to finish at 10. We're still arguing until 11. 
All Israeli guys in the house. Big war about the hair. He walks in, say, hi. I said, what are you doing here at 11 o'clock at night? He said, I have a client one block away from him. He cannot come to the salon, so I go to his house. He paid me more. I cut his hair in his house. And they just told me that you're giving a lecture here, so I came to say hi. So I look at these two guys. I say, you see, Akadosh Baruch Hu sent you a private barber 11 o'clock at night with a haircut machine to the house, and you're not going to have a haircut? They look at each other. It's right. cannot be coincidence. We cut their hair. Both of them rabbis in Israel today. and became the number one Talmud who ever learned there. Computer head. Computer head. Like Rav Chaim Kanievsky. Everything he reads, he remembers. Few years later, that they told him in Kafa Chaim, it's a good yeshiva in Yerushalayim. For Balei Tshuva, but very good one. It's, the level here is not enough for you. But how I got them to come into the yeshiva? Okay, now they cut the hair. Now I said to them, okay, now you cut the hair, you have to come with me to Monsi tonight. What's in Monsi? We have yeshiva for Balei Tshuva. You come. Come for one week, you try. So, so he said to me, no, I work in a bakery. I work in Eagle Bakery. I told him, don't worry. I know Mr. Eagle from the seminars. He used to come to our seminars in those days. Tomorrow morning I call him, I'll explain everything. I'm sure he'll be happy that he went to yeshiva. I'm sure he won't give you a hard time. Come for a week. I take full responsibility. So he said to me, no, no, but I have other things to do. I said, no, no, trust me. If you don't come tonight with me, by next week you forget. I said, Sunday I'll come with you. I said, eh, Sunday, it's six days. You won't remember anything. He said, Sunday I'll come with you. So I said to him, how much money you have in your wallet? He opened his wallet. He said, $200. Why? I said, give me the deposit. <laughs> he looks at me. Are you serious? I say, yeah. You give me now $200 deposit. If you show up Sunday, as soon as you walk to the yeshiva, I give you the $200. If you don't come, I put it in a tzedakah box of the yeshiva. Fair? He say, fair. Here. Sunday, 9 o'clock, he didn't come. 10, 11, 12. 1 o'clock, lunch break. Oh, both of them came with bags. Right away, I ran to him with the $200. And I said to him, here is the money. He said, you know why I came here, the truth? For the $200. <laughs> I had three days of work. In those days, it was a lot of money, $200. I came for the $200. Today is a very big chacham in Eretz Israel. One day, they tell me there is a DJ. You probably don't even know where the DJ is. There's a DJ in the biggest horrible Sdom Amora of Manhattan. Every Friday night, 6,000 people go to that place to do Averot, and he's the one who played the Goish music. And he's a Jew living here in Ocean Parkway. You have to get him out of there. If you make him bad tshuva, thousands of Jews, it will save them because they follow him to everywhere he go, and the horrible things is happening there. It's not only Friday night. It's every night. But Friday night is the biggest thing. I begin to talk to him. 20 years old guy, kid. 
Slowly, slowly, I convinced him to leave. Makes $2,000 a night. Oh, it's, this story is more than 15 years ago. $2,000 a night, 20 years old kid for playing music. Playing music, records. So he said to me, but what am I gonna do? I say, you come to yeshiva. We have yeshiva in Monsi. You come, you begin to learn Torah. He doesn't know even alphabet. He never went to yeshiva. I brought him to the yeshiva. The rabbi over there told me, tell me, are you out of your mind? I said, why? He said, ah, why do you brought me a guy like this? It would take 10 years to teach him alphabet. Not exactly the smartest guy in the world. What am I gonna do with him here? Cannot put him in any class, nothing. I told him, listen, trust me. Just keep him here to sit and retail him a little bit and sleep all day. It's already very good. Why? I told him what he does. So you're right, leave him here. So he, he stays in yeshiva. His father begins to get angry. His father is hot blood person, married to Goya. He said to me, my father doesn't let me stay in yeshiva. If he's threatening me to come and make problems and get me out and get me back to this job. I say, make a lecture in your father's house. So his father, just to get him to come out of Monsi, agreed. That was the longest lecture in the history of this world. I started 8 o'clock at night. I finished 7.30 in the morning. Almost 12 hours straight, without one minute break, 30 guys and girls were sitting on the floor. There was not enough chair. 12 hours, I came up with bumper to bumper in Ocean Parkway. Not only was the longest lecture ever, and that lecture, I almost got killed. Imagine, they say, what's the cause of the death? He gave a lecture and got murdered in the middle of the lecture. How? When I saw after four or five hours, four or five hours that I argued with his father to leave his son in yeshiva, his father fighting and fighting. So after that, nothing else. So I said to his father, you know me, I said it as it is, but sometimes even I go a little bit too far. I don't know what came to my mind. I said to his father, you know what? You see this family, his family married to Goyanes, two Goyot, two girls. I said, you know, if these two girls one day will realize that they're not Jewish, they will ask to convert. And if your daughter will convert, You'll be able to marry her. So he looks at me and says, what? I say, yeah, she's not your daughter. She says, oh yeah, she's not your daughter. So your only son, you have a Jew. You want to make him a goy? Hashem gave him one son, he finally became a Jew. Now you want to make him also goy? Goyot you have already. One day they become Jewish, you marry them. When he heard that, did you hear what he just said? I'm going to marry my own daughter. I said, but Chazal, Put a ban on it, that you're not allowed. But Hashem say, I don't care, marry her, she's not your daughter anyway. When he heard that, he grabbed the fork and jumped to stick it to my heart, mamash, an inch, an inch. There was one guy over there, Shimon Segev, his name was. I remember it, because there was a moment before that. Big guy like this, he grabbed him. He was sitting on the couch. I don't know, I was able to sit and grab him down like this. That's how strong he was. Hashem got this guy to sit there just for that purpose, otherwise I'll be dead. He jumped at me with a fork. He made him sit. After that, he did not make a beep. He got the shock of his life. He left the boy. Now I brought the boy back to the yeshiva. Now the boy said to me, listen, I don't have money. 
עוד מעט מה אני אראה נער? וואלה, אני אראה למק, מה אני פעם? I said, no worry, now you learn Torah. One day you'll be a DJ in kosher Jewish weddings. I started to laugh. I said, I never heard one Jewish song in my life. I'm going to be a DJ for so long. I said, don't worry, HaKadosh Baruch Hu will help. I don't know how it came out of my mouth. This guy would be a DJ. Five, six years later, I go to a wedding in Spring Valley, Yeshiva in Monsi. I look at the stage. I say, yeah, this guy looks familiar. Six years later already. I see he's the DJ. I can't stay. I said, no. You see, I told you be DJ. You're making $1,500 a night just like you and you did in Averot. That's what the Gemara said. What could be yours in a kosher way? Why to take it in a not kosher way? One day, I had a Yemenite kid, Ron Zinar, his name. Israeli Yemenite, 24, 25 years old. He's in real estate. I made a deal with him that I picked him up on Tuesday. I pick him up on Tuesday, and I bring him up to Monsi to Yeshiva. I arrived to Brooklyn, actually it was Wednesday. Wednesday night, I used to give lectures here in Northern New Jay. I come to the place where he lives with his father. I call him up, I say, Ron, come down. He said, no, no, I can't come. My father heard that I want to go to Yeshiva and leave work. He's very angry. I said to him, listen, it's 8.30. My lecture starts at night. Don't change the plan now. I came all the way to pick you up. It was Avenue U. He said, no, no, I can't come. My father is very angry. We have to wait until he relaxes. Maybe next Wednesday I come with you. Now I know the way my mind thinks. If I get him now to Yeshiva, maybe you save him. Next week, who knows what's going to be with him. So I said to him, listen, I don't live without you. I got to take you to the Yeshiva. I came on the way here to take. We made a deal. You must come with me. 10, 15 minutes, he argued with me on the phone. You see, I'm not giving up. He said, okay, okay, listen, my father gets really angry here. Let me calm down. He came down quarter to nine. He argued with me. Yeah, man, night guy, argue with, with me. And I have 100 people waiting for me in Avenue J, and he's 14, and he doesn't let go. And they begin to call, 905, 910, no, are you coming? This is full. So I say, I have a, a, an emergency here. So I say to him, you know what, I don't care. I don't go to the lecture. Let them stay there until tomorrow. It's on your head. You gotta come, you made a deal with me. He said to me, no, I cannot come. I can't come. So I say to myself, listen, he doesn't give up. And I cannot really cancel the lecture. I had a chumash in my car. I said to him, you know what? You're not listening to me. And I have to go. Let's see what Hashem says. We'll open the chumash. Whatever comes on the right side, you promise to do? What do I have to lose? Anyway, I lost him. Anyway, I lost him. He doesn't want to come. Let's try. Maybe a uh, nest will happen. He said, what do you mean? I say, yeah, there's such a thing. You do chumash, koral achida. First thing that comes on the right side on the first row, that's the message from Shammai, you must keep. He thinks about it. He says, okay, fair deal. I said, let's say tefillah for Hashem. Two minutes, we're making tefillah. I say, open. First row, what came out? Ve'anisharim b'chem imaku be'avonam asher ma'alubi. If you stay, imaku, I want to tell you what imaku means. It's like the, the body is all melting until the person dies. Be'avonam, in the intentional scene, asher ma'alubi, that they betrayed me. If you stay, that's what's going to be your end. 
וגימי טו מנץ, ורד אמסטרס, ניקה דה ביג בג לגדיל, למרות אם זה ישיבה, ברוך השם, היא מופת ארץ ישראל, got married to a חרדי גרל, and stay חרדי until today, and there's hundreds of stories like this, and we'll finish with the last story, and I want to bring in the story to tell you what סיאטרא דשמיא השם gives to the בעלי תשובה. One time I had a bad tshuva. It was a taxi driver right here. He came to my house, and I said to him, listen, you live with a, with a girl in a house. It's not kosher. Every second it's a sin. You have to move out. He said, we cannot afford two rents. She's a waiter here in a Jerusalem steakhouse, and he works in a car service right here in Dietmas Avenue. And they live in the same place, and uh, I say to him, no, it's, 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 but we don't have money for two rents. I say to him, don't worry, you come to the yeshiva, I put her in the midrashia, we have midrashia in Flatbush, you don't have to pay rent at all. I see that he's beginning to listen, I invited them for Shabbat, we put them by the neighbor, she brought her friend. The entire Shabbat I speak about the Isur of Nida. Three hours on Shabbos afternoon. After that, I said, no, promise me you come to the yeshiva and she goes to the midrashia. Promise, promise, no, no. I see I gave up. Usually when I see everything I tried in one or our work, I said, what do I have to lose? Maybe Hashem will do a nest. We'll see, it's, we don't know the schut of this guy. I said, let's do gerola gerachida. You open, we'll see what's gonna be. He opened. First row on the right, Elisha Benida Tumata Lotikra. After three hours, I speak about it. That came out. The girls started to scream. Baruch Hashem, we put the girls in the midrashia, both of them. They left the waiter, waitering job. We put them in yeshiva. They got married. Today, they have a few kids in yeshivot in Eretz Israel. One case after the other over the years. This is the Siata Dishmaya, how much Hashem loves this Balei Tshuva. First, I was asked today to speak about personal story. And uh, you know, personal story can go until the morning, but I prefer to mix it with personal story and some sipurim of Ashgacha over the years, even though I can speak until next week. But Bezrat Hashem, next time we meet, we'll give a different kind of lecture. Thank you very much for staying so late. Thank you.